<laughs> Bless your heart. Matthew 22. Matthew chapter number 22. <laughs> Matthew chapter number 22. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 22. We're going to, as it says there, we're going to look at verse 34 to 38. Matthew 22, 34 through 38. Let's pray, and then I'm going to share what's on my heart with you guys. Let's, let's pray. I just want to pray and ask God to help me make sure I use the word of God the right way. So let's pray. Dear only Father God, we love you. We need your help this morning. Lord, as we look at this passage, Lord, of your own very words, God, I ask you to help it to work in my heart as it's already done, and Lord, to work in these young people's hearts or as we talk about the subject of love. Lord, we do love you. And Lord, we need your help this morning. We'll thank you for all in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we talked about, I told you guys, the way it's going to go is this. Jesus loves me was last week. This is, oh, how I love Jesus. The next week is, we're going to talk about Jesus other than you. And the next week is loving your enemies. So this week we're talking about our love for God. Last week we talked about God's love for us. And I just want to just say it again. If you ever... Get over the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth as a man and was nailed to a cross, shed his blood for you and love, then you've missed everything Christianity is. Sometimes we do get our mind wrapped up around churches this and churches that. You want me to tell you what Christianity is? Christianity is the love of Christ dying for our sins. So I don't ever want you to miss that. But today we're going to look just for a few minutes at God, our love for God. And can I just say for just a second, just stop and say, that if any way, when I get into this lesson, I start getting going, and I'm making it in any way sound like to love God, you have to live your life perfectly, I'm just going to go ahead and pause and tell you that that right now is not the truth, and I don't want to convey that at all. To love God, sometimes we say, and we make it sound like, to love God, you have to be perfect. You hear preachers all the time say, well, we do all the sin, but then we come to church and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. We are sinners. We do what is wrong. Now, we are not supposed to have let sin have victory over us. We're supposed to be winning the victory. But you know what? We do do wrong things, but we can still love God and strive to serve him. So, but it does not mean we do intentionally things. So I'm not trying to make a, I'm not trying to give you an excuse if you're doing what's wrong and say, well, you can love God and do what's wrong. I'm not trying to do that. But I'm not trying to say either that because you have done something wrong, you don't, you automatically don't love God. So I just want to clear that out of the way so that you understand we're all on the same page. So we go to, I'll give you a couple blanks and then we'll jump in. We read our passage, or did we read our passage? We did not read our passage yet. Let's go there. We need to read that. The word of God is what changes lives, not passing burden at all. Verse 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. So as we look at our passage, let's fill in a couple of blanks. <coughs> Excuse me. The three important truths about the greatest commandment. Three important truths about the greatest commandment. Number one, the command is preeminent. <coughs> Excuse me. The command is preeminent, which means it's superior. Jesus said that loving God is the greatest commandment. Jesus said that loving God is the greatest commandment. If I were to outside of you guys knowing this verse, if you were to listen to most preachers preach about what would be the greatest thing that you need to work on as a teenager, 
I can guarantee you from listening to most preachers, and I put myself right in there because I was convicted about this this morning, you would think there's a whole lot more things important, if that even makes sense how I just said that. There are a lot more things that are important than loving God. We put a lot of things in front of loving God. We'll hear preachers come on. I mean, preachers will come up, and I put myself in there, preach on, hey, as a Christian, it is your job to not listen to the wrong music. And you can preach whole messages on that. You can hear as, as, as a preacher, you know what? You need to make sure, like Dave Young said a lot at, at um, snow camp, you need to stop looking at garbage on the Internet. And you can preach a whole message, which is right. It's all right. But when you look at Jesus Christ, when he was asked, tempting, they were trying to tempt him. They were trying to get Jesus Christ to say something wrong. And they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Because they thought, I'm sure the Sadducees thought, well, if Jesus is going to say the greatest commandment, he'll probably say, the greatest commandment is thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, the greatest commandment is thou shalt not bear fault with. You ought not to lie. That would be the greatest commandment. But you hear from Jesus' very own lips. The first thing, the most preeminent thing, is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So backwards in the way we think. We think, oh, man, if I can just get all these bad things out of my life. And I've been there, and I'm, I'm, when I was studying this passage this morning, I was thinking, wow. In my life, I keep thinking, well, if I can get this right, if I can make this and add it and just this. But Jesus Christ, from his very own words, said the greatest thing you can do is love me with everything that you have. Fill in the blank here. Sometimes we teach, preach that standards, separation, or even sexual purity are the greatest commands in Scripture for a Christian young person. But Jesus said the greatest command is to love God. The greatest command is to love God. So I want you to get this. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this point because I think it's pretty much self-explanatory. But I want you to know this before we go any further, that this command is what Jesus Christ said should be our goal in our lives. So aside from being the most spiritual person, aside from not listening to bad music, watching bad things on television, and doing all those things, those are not supposed to be our main goal. Our main goal is to love God as he loved us. We're talking about the whole series that we're talking about is true love. So now we're going to talk about how we truly love God. Number two, the choice... It's personal. So the command is preeminent. It's superior. This is the first thing I have to do in my life. Number two, the choice is personal. Go ahead and write this down. Love is not an emotion, but it is a choice. Love is not an emotion, but it is a choice. Genesis 24, 63 through 67. I remember growing up, my mom was my teacher. And I remember one time she taught us, I think it's called family relationships or something that we, we had to take in school. And she was talking about how really love, we make love as to be this like big bubbly thing, romantic. We talked about this last week about uh, love. And if I told you I was going to tell you a love story, you would think that I was going to tell you about some romantic guy falling in love with girl stuff. And no, that's not what love is. But I have met my mom. I remember my mom made this statement in a class. She said, love is not an emotion, but it is a choice. And I still remember her saying that. And I remember everybody, even including me in the classroom, said, love is not a choice. You just, it just happens. Like, you just know when love happens. When I, when I had my son and my, I mean, my son and my daughter, when they, when they were born and I held them in my hand, I was like, man, I just love them. 
It wasn't like something I was like, well, when they come out, they're going to be kind of nasty. They're going to be making a lot of noise. But I, in my heart, am just going to say, you know what, I'm going to love them anyway. It didn't happen like that. I just thought, when I grabbed my son and held him for the first time, when I grabbed my daughter, I was like, I love this kid. But you know what? Love is a choice. You look at the story of Isaac and Rebecca. Let me tell you this first. Um, I remember when I worked at Honda, I drove a lady one time who was an arranged marriage. She was from India. And she had, she's like, she knew from the time that she was a, a, a elementary school student who she was going to marry. And their families had already had it mapped out that she was going to, they were going to give him, give their, her dad some of this stuff. And he was going to get this and he was going to get this wife, this lady to be his wife. And I asked her, I said, was it kind of weird? It's like, I'm not trying to like dive in your business, but isn't that kind of weird? Like not even knowing, I mean, knowing him, but not even like loving him or anything. You know what she told me? She's like, at first, I hated him. I hated him with everything. I didn't want to be around him, didn't want him to touch me, didn't want anything. And then she said, you know what? I just made the choice to love him. And right now, they're married. I would say, in our culture, we would say, well, no. I'm not letting mom and dad have anything to do with the person I date, because there's no way. But it being the truth, this, this lady doesn't know Jesus Christ as her Savior. But what she did say was, I made a choice to love him. Since I was gonna have, I couldn't get out of it, so I just made a choice. And they're, as far as I know, they they were happily married. They had kids. Love is a, a choice. When you look at the story of Isaac and Rebecca, sometimes it can be painted as one of the most romantic stories of the Bible. Abraham sends his servant. He says, "Hey, my son needs a wife. Go find her a wife." And he gave him the he gave him all the criteria for finding a wife. And Abraham's servant goes out. On his camel, going to go find a wife for Isaac. And he goes by, you know the story, he goes by the well and he prays, Lord, the girl that says not only that she'll give me water, but she'll give me and all my camels water, that's going to be the girl that I know I'm going to take back to Isaac. Now, when we look at our our uh, prerequisites for marriage, I don't think that we would probably put getting water for the camels high up on the list. But that's what he prayed, and that's exactly what God did. We know Rebecca came up. She said, hey, can I get your drink? And then she gave all the camels. And if you know anything about camels, they don't just drink a cup of water. They drink a lot of water. And this girl waters all the camels, does all these things. And, and he's, his servant said, hey, you're the girl. Let's go talk to your dad. And so they go back. And the Bible says that her dad and her brothers, all they saw was the riches in the house. That this guy came and he was bearing gifts. He had, she had jewelry on and everything else. They're like, hey, you need to go with this guy. They have a lot of money. I don't know about the Isaac guy, but they have a lot of money. And the Bible says that she said, you know what? I will go. And she went and they rode their camels back. And the Bible says this, and this is the part where I'm talking about love is a choice. Rebecca has never once seen Isaac. Only has heard about it from the servant. Isaac has never seen Rebecca. Only thing he's trusting is that his dad said, son, I wonder how that conversation went on breakfast. Son, send my servant out to get your wife. He'll be back soon. You'll be getting married soon. He'll, he'll come back with the one. He'll come back with you with a, a good looking woman. And so as they, they come out, he, Bible says he's walking out of his tent to meditate and the camels ride up and Rebecca sees Isaac and the Bible says she jumps off her camel and takes off and runs to embrace Isaac. She's never seen the guy. Doesn't even know it. But you know what? Love is a choice. 
The same thing with God. Your love for God is a choice. I said it before. And point number one, it is the greatest command. You are commanded to love God. You are. I am commanded. Hey, love God. It's not a request. I am commanded. But you know, I'm a human being. God gave me a free will. I have a choice. I don't have to love God. There's lots of people that don't love God. They're still commanded to, but there's a lot of people that don't. It's a personal choice. I cannot in any way, and I wish I could, put in your hearts the love for God that I know. I love God because I know what he's done for me in my life. Like when I look at other people that are trying to go their own way, and some of them may say, you know what, I'm having a good life right now, and I'm chasing all these things the world has for them. I look at them honestly, and I say, you know what, I'm having the time of my life loving God. God's been good to me. And I look at my life and I say, you know what? I choose to love God. I've, I've had hard things happen in my life. I've had things that I wish hadn't happened. But, you know, ultimately God's been good. And so I love him. I'm making the choice. Same thing with you guys. You have to make the choice to love God. You are commanded. It's the same thing right here in this classroom. I have learned a long time ago as a youth pastor, I cannot make any of you do anything. I can't. To be perfectly honest, just to let you guys in, if you haven't figured it out, I really only have influence. I don't have authority. I can tell you right now, hey, Kelsey, get up and go close that door. And Kelsey could just sit right there and say, no. And what am I going to do about it? Well, Kelsey, come back here. I'll, I'll punch you in the nose. I'm like, I can't do anything about it. All, all I can do is stand here and say, Kelsey, would you please, please, pretty please close the door? No. Why? Because I don't really have authority. Now, I do have influence, and I want to use that influence that God has given me. So I know that if I did ask Kelsey to close that door, Kelsey would do it because she has respect, and her mom and dad have raised her correctly. But it's not because I have authority. It's a choice. See, the same thing in you guys' life. I have no authority to make you do anything. And God has the authority to make you, but he still doesn't. He says, hey, the first greatest commandment is for you to love me. But you know what? I'm still going to give you the choice to do it. So if you decide to walk away, right now, most of you guys are here on your own your own will. No one forced you. I didn't see any parents coming in like some of the little kids in the other little classrooms, and you were standing at the door crying, and your parents kicked you in anyway and said, you're going to youth group and kicked you in here and just made you stay in here. You had the choice. But one day when you turn 18, 19, 20, and you say, you know what? I don't want to go to youth group anymore. I don't want to go to church anymore. You have that choice. But can I ask you, can I compel you to love God? He loves you. We talked about that last week. He loved you enough that he gave his only begotten son and shed on the, his blood on the cross. Like I told you guys before, I remember sitting in Greek class and didn't care anything about Greek, honestly, until my Greek teacher got up and he read the crucifixion in Greek. And he started to tell us about the words in the crucifixion, the words they used. And he's like, this word, if you were a Greek person and you heard this word, you would know the agony. And he started, tears started running down his face. And he's like, because this is what Jesus did for us. I didn't care about Greek until then. Like, this is dumb. I'm never going to use this. They have Bible programs that can do this kind of stuff. But when he started reading it and his tears started coming down his face, you know what I thought? Wow. I need to grab a hold of these principles because I want to know how much God loves me like he does. 
And I will say God loves you. But you have the choice. Not an emotion. There's not going to be a moment warning where you wake up and you're like, whoa, I love God today. It just happened. I've never loved God like this before in my life. No, you're going to have to wake up and make a choice. Today I'm going to love God. I'm going to live for him. So, number one, the commandment is preeminent. Number two, the choice is personal. Love is not emotion, but is a choice. Number three, the characteristics are practical. So here it is. I love this because this is what... This is where the rubber meets the road. I, I love preaching biblical truth, but I so much more love being able to preach an application. So how do you love God? You say, Pastor Burton, I hear it all the time. Love God. What does that mean? I don't see God. I, I mean, I try and talk with him. I try to read, do my devotions. How do I love God? He says it right here, with all your heart. With all your heart. Letter A. With everything, nothing held in reserve. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> With all my heart, with everything, nothing held in reserve. You guys know what this is. If I told you, just as simply, he played the game with all his heart. If I told you he played a basketball game with all my heart, with all his heart, you would not say, Pastor Burton, what do you mean by that? He played with all his heart. You know what that means. If I said, uh, when I was, when we were at the, um, when we were at snow camp, I like to play basketball. And somebody was joking, I can't remember who was joking with me, I said, you know what, I'm not going to go on the basketball court because I don't want to get sweaty. And everybody, even my wife, always makes fun of me because she knows no matter what I'm wearing, I'm wearing a suit and tie, and I walk onto the basketball court and somebody tosses me a basketball, that it's like, I have to play. Like, I have to. And I can't just, like, shoot around. I have to actually play the game. Even though it means my shirt will get sweaty and I'll have, like, a ring all the way around under my armpits, I have to play the game. And you know what? There's a lot of times in my life, I mean, in my life, yeah, in the lifetime, I've thought, you know what? I'm just going to walk out here. There's a couple guys playing. I'm just going to touch the basketball. I'm not going to play really, really hard. I'm just going to play a little bit. You know how many times in my life I have not played really hard? Why? Because as soon as I get in the game, I'm like, I got to play ball with all of my heart. I'm not going to go out here, oh, well, <laughs> I don't feel like getting sweaty. So, you know, you're you going to take that ball. No, because I want to play the game. The same thing happens when God says, hey, I want you to love me with all your heart. I want you to love, God says, I want you to love me with nothing in reserve. Just like I said, if I told you anything, they play an instrument with all their heart. You know how people do things. If you've seen some people that do things with all their heart, most of the time, like, they get so intense and so into what they're doing. You watch a piano player that's, like, with all their heart playing. They're like, they don't care that you're watching. They don't care at all. They're just, like, into it. You watch a person that's singing and singing with all their heart. They're like, blah, their face can look like whatever in the world. Like they'll be making these weird faces, but you know what? They're loving what they do. Oh, they'll sway around. (laughs) Exactly. But when someone does something with all the heart, you know what that means. Sometimes we read the Bible and we're like, well, I'm supposed to love the Lord, the God with all thy heart. I wonder what that means in the Greek. Let me get out the strongs. No, it just means God wants you to love him with everything you have. Do you love God with everything you have? Do you? If right now God had to ask you, hey, like he did Peter, do you love me? Like Peter said, well, Lord, you know I love you, God. Yeah, Jesus, you know I love you. No, no, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you you know I love you. <laughs> yeah, you know I love you, Lord. Peter. Do you love me? 
And see, when we talk about God's love for us, God loves us. He loves us with all his heart because he gave everything. Do I love him with all my heart? Nothing how to reserve. Nothing that I would do that, God, because I love you. But this is going too far. I'm not willing to do that. He says, number one, love with all your heart. Let her be with all thy soul, with all my life and breath. With all my life and breath. Second Corinthians chapter number five. I'll read it real quickly. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 14 and 15. Says this. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now here it is. I'm supposed to love God with all my heart. Nothing in reserve. I love you, God. If I told my wife, I love you, and she said, well, can you go do this for me? And I say, no, I don't love you that much. It wouldn't be loving with all my heart. God says, love me with all your heart. And we do it all the time. God says, hey, this is what I want you to do. And we say, I love you, Lord, but I'm not doing that. With all your heart, with all your soul. Bible says that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, hey, the love of Christ, the love he has for me constrains me that I'm not going to live for myself. I'm going to live for the one who gave himself and died for me. See, this is what loving with all your soul means. It means that, hey, my life is God's. The life I live, it's not mine. We hear it all the time. This is my life. I'm going to do what I want to. You, you turn on any movie. You'll hear any teen movie. You hear like 15 times during the movie. Well, this is my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. But you know what? As a Christian, if you love God with all your heart and with all your soul, it means, hey, every breath that I breathe, man, I want it to bring honor and glory to God. Hey, because he loved me enough to give his son. So I'm thinking, as Paul said, this is what Paul said, his love compels me it makes me say i'm not gonna live for me what i want doesn't matter because i love god so how do we do it with all our heart nothing in reserve with all my soul you know what i'm gonna give everything i have my life and breath to god and number three we're done with all my mind with all my imagination thought and understanding with all my mind. I'm going to love God with all my heart. Nothing reserved. I'm going to love God with all my soul. That with all my life and breath, I want to love God. And let us see with all my mind. With all my imagination, thought, and understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. See, God says, I want your heart. I want you to love me with all your heart. You're commanded to. I want you to do it with all your soul. Hey, everything within me. My life is not mine. I don't live it for Amber and I live it for God. And he says, number three, I want you to do it in your imagination. In your thoughts. <clears throat> Let me ask you this. Do all your thoughts show you love God? John says in this, in 1 John, he says, hey, if you say, I love God, but hate your brother, this is God's word, not me. He said, you're a liar. So 
if my imagination and my thoughts, I look at someone else that is a believer, is a son or child of God, and I say, I can't stand them, I hate them. John said, if you say that, but you say, I love God, <laughs> John said, mark it down, you're a liar. Hey, what do our thoughts and our imaginations say about how much we love God? If we just think, I'm not talking about putting them on the screen or doing anything that other preachers say. I'm just saying, take inventory of your past thoughts this week. Has God been even in 10% of them? I'm talking outside of church. You even like, did it even pop in your mind once? You know what? When I was, when I first started dating my wife, I thought about my wife all the time. If I was at the store, I was like, huh. What can I get for then girlfriend? What can I get for my girlfriend while I'm here? Because I need to pick up something because I love that girl. So I'm, I'm looking around like, what can I pick up? So I get, I pick up something. Even now when I go to the store, my wife's trying to do well with losing weight. So I used to, it used to be easy because I could just grab a Snicker bar right there at the thing. If my wife likes Snicker bars. I can just walk up to the thing, pull a Snicker bar off, and I was good to go and just bring home a Snicker bar. But I can't do that anymore. So I had to find like non-fat things because she's trying to do good, good. And so I'm trying to. Think of things, I have to think way outside the box. Can't just walk up to the counter anymore and just throw one on. But when I, when we were dating, I thought about my wife 24-7. <laughs> Whoa, we're going out to eat? Hey, let me make sure, get the door. Make sure I get ahead. No, no, I'll get the table for us. Table for two. Why? Because she was in my thoughts. Let me ask you this. God says, I want you to love me with all your heart. Nothing in reserve. I want you to love me with all your soul. I want your life to be for me. I want you to love me with all your mind. Do you think about God? If we think about, and I'm, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not going to be, I'm not trying to jump on anybody or anything. If I think about another guy or another girl more than I think about God, I'm not loving with all my mind. If I think about whether it be sports more than I think about God, I'm not loving him with all my mind. If I think of whatever my activities and my entertainment, if a show on television, I think about it more because I can't wait to see the next episode than I think about God, and I'm not loving him with all my heart, soul, and mind. And see, this is the command that we've been given. We put it simply. It's an awesome truth that is just so simple that it's like I love it. I love simple Bible truth. This is the greatest commandment. It's not you separating. It's not you turning off bad music. It's not... You dressing properly. The biggest commandment that God said is this. You love God with all your whole heart, soul, and mind. It's the greatest commandment. He said, you know what? It's personal. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. I can't make the decision. It's a choice. You all have to make the choice every day to say, you know what? I'm going to love God. I'm not going to turn that on. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go this way. I'm going to choose to do what God asked me to do because I love him. I'm going to do it with all my heart. Nothing reserved. As I said, when you do things with all your heart, you don't care who's looking. Oh, man. If I live for God, all my friends will see. Doesn't bother you when you're playing uh, foosball on the foosball table, when your tongue's hanging out, you're sweating. <laughs> oh, well, I can't do that because people are watching. No, you just say, you know what? I'm doing this because I want to win. Same thing in the Christian life. I want to love God with all my heart. I don't care. People know I love Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to love with all my heart, with all my soul. Hey, the love of Christ constrains me. That if one died for all, then we're all dead. 
So that means that this life, is, I'm not going to live it for myself. Because I'm going to live it for the one who died for me and gave himself for me. With all my soul and then with all my mind. My imagination. See, I'm not going to lean into my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge him in all my ways. My mind is going to be stayed on him. Isaiah 26, 3, because he, because he trusted in me. So that's God's command to us. Hey, love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. Next week, we'll talk about loving your neighbor as yourself. How are we supposed to love others and what we're supposed to do with those? So let's pray and we're done. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you for what you've done for us. God, I said you'd help us in all our lives. Lord, I pray, first of all, in my life, God, that I would love you with all my heart, soul, and mind. God, that it would not just be something I talk about, Lord, something we sing about, but Lord, I would love you with everything I have. But I pray the same thing for these teenagers. God, I cannot make the choice for them. But God, I ask that you would help them to purpose in their hearts to love you with every single ounce of their being. Because, Lord, you are good to us. Lord, you give us what we don't deserve. And so, God, we thank you for that. Help us, Lord, where we're weak. Be with our service this morning. Be with Pastor Ferguson. And we'll give you the honor and glory for everything that's done in Jesus' name. Amen.